0: Go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you would, to First um, Corinthians chapter fifteen. That's where we're going to begin with. But um, we're going to uh, go through some some good passages of Scripture this morning, and um, praying this morning that the Lord will speak to your heart. As we look at the theme for February, we're focusing on the simplicity of salvation. Salvation is one doctrine that man has tried to cover, to overcomplicate, and in so doing has created confusion and bondage. God keeps many things simple to understand, because He is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Uh, God doesn't want people to be confused about salvation. It's too important. Um, the, the the destiny of a man's soul uh, is too important just to be casual about. And so God wants to make sure people understand how easy and how simple it is in order to be saved. Um, salvation is, is, is simple enough that even children can understand it quite easily. Um, it, it does, you don't have to have a Ph.D., uh, to understand the Gospel. You don't have to uh, be this intellectual to understand uh, the need for the grace of God. The need for salvation. But sometimes people get too educated for their own good. And they think, oh, it can't be that simple. It can't be that uh, that easy for for me to be saved. And uh, And that's where they fail because they're looking at trying to do other things rather than just to trust and just to believe and repent of their sin. You see, believing the Gospel is how a person can be saved. That's why we call the Gospel the good news. Uh, Because that is good news to us. Because without the Gospel, we would have no hope. Uh, As you're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse number 1. Now, this little through one through four is is, is uh, where you find what is the gospel. It says here, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. You see, everything that Jesus Christ did was according to the scriptures. It was according to the old Testament, the fulfilling of the prophecies. Uh, the gospel is Jesus dying on that cross for our sin. Uh, and, and raising, uh, will be buried and then raising from the dead. That is the gospel proving that he has victory. Um, most religions today are focused on trying to earn salvation and favor with God or their multitude of gods. This is because their eyes are blinded from what God has already done for them and that He now offers salvation freely. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3. Paul writes here, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, Satan has blinded the eyes of people because he does not want them to see The gospel of christ he doesn't want them to understand the simplicity of the gospel uh the simplicity of what god has already done for us and so he blinds them he he shows them that you have to do something you have to earn salvation it can't it can't be as simple as just believing and and putting your faith in jesus christ there's got to be something more to it and uh, and this is a lie that he has fed multitudes of people And so they're always trying to do something to earn God's favor or the favor of their gods, their deities that that they they bow down to and think that are are gods. And in fact, they're just idols. They're nothing but stone. There's nothing, no life there. You see, God has given us the gospel so that we can believe. And um, this morning I want to preach a, a message. What did Jesus Christ save us from? Why are we even saved? What, is, what did He save us from? In order to begin to understand salvation, we need to ask ourselves, why do we even need salvation? What, is, what are we saved from? What is God's purpose and design for salvation? The answer is quite simply three words. Sin and death. That is what God saves us from. See, Jesus Christ went to the cross to defeat sin once and for all. It was because of the crucifixion that the yoke of sin has been broken. Sin in mankind originated in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve willfully chose to disobey God and eat of the forbidden fruit. They chose to disobey. This was the only rule that God had placed in their life, and they broke it. I mean, there's some people who say, well, I, I don't I don't want religion because there's too many rules. There's, uh, I don't want to have a relationship with God because there's just too much that I have to do. And uh, it doesn't matter about the rules because even if there was one rule, we'll still want to break it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They were only told one thing, do not eat of the fruit, and they disobeyed. <clears throat> Both their sin nature and the consequences of their sin were then passed on upon their children and their descendants and to us today. For the last 6,000 years, sin has destroyed the lives of billions of people. I'm thankful, though, that God has given us a way to be saved from sin. Now this morning, I want to look at three attributes of sin that Jesus saves us from. That is, if you are a born-again child of God. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into the message this morning. Father, we thank You so much again. Lord, for Your grace. Lord, for Your love. For it was the love of us that You came and um, came to earth. That You went to the cross because You loved us so much. Because You wanted to see us saved from sin. See us saved from death. And uh, I thank You, Lord, that You did go through the cross for me, for those in this room, Lord, who have trusted You as their Savior. And uh, Father, as we look to to this morning at um, these attributes of sin that You have saved us from, Lord, help us to re- remind us, Lord, just what it cost You. And um, and just encourage us, Lord, uh, just to, to remember we have victory in Christ. And I just want to say thank You again, Lord, for Your salvation. I pray that You would just bless this message this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Man. Um, the first uh, attribute I want to look at this morning is that Jesus saved us from the power of sin. One of the definitions of the word power means to have authority, command, dominion, or rule. You see, sin has unimaginable power over those who are lost. They live by the demands of the desires of their heart, which leads to lives full of sin. And sin, when in power, dominates and controls a person's life, much like a master. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 22. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22. Verse 22 says, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. You see, sin is very much like an addiction. You know, we play around with it at first, not realizing that each time it's drawing us in closer and wrapping itself around our life like an anaconda does to its victim. Most of the time we sin and we seem to get away with it not realizing it's all a lie to keep getting us to do that sin. You know, when a, when a, when a snake goes into its victim, it doesn't just kind of uh, just quickly grapple it and, and squeeze and it, it, slowly, it slowly starts to constrict. And um, the, the victim doesn't realize that it's doomed. But as that anaconda starts to tighten its grip more and more and more, that's exactly what sin does to us as it, as it tightens around our life. And, and pretty soon we, uh, we, we, we realize, you know what, we're trapped. See, eventually some people begin to realize that what they're doing is wrong and they seek to stop and, ex, and escape doing it. But most of the time it's too late. The more they struggle to not do that sin, the more they seem to do it. Sin is now in complete control of their life. Seems no matter what they do, they cannot escape what they are doing and feel the hopelessness of being trapped. But thankfully, there is one person who can help you get out of that bondage, and that is Jesus Christ. Only He can set you free. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse number 31. John chapter 8, verse number 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, Ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. See, these Jews were, were saying, oh, we've never been in bondage. How, uh, how could we be made free? And He wasn't talking about uh, a, a, a physical bondage and slavery that um, that they were thinking about. You know, at one time the Jews were in, in bondage of slavery back in Egypt, uh, but here they said we're not we're not slaves. We're not in bondage. We're free. And uh, and Jesus wasn't talking about that uh, that kind of physical um, uh, bondage. He was talking about their spiritual bondage. They were still the bondage in sin. And he said if um and whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin uh that sin is the master and you are the servant. Uh but Jesus was saying the servant abideth not in the house forever. See the servant's not going to be in power forever. The servant maybe uh may have a, a temporary bit of control over the household whenever the uh maybe whenever the son or the master is gone. Uh but when the Son uh comes back, that Son has the power. And here he's saying the servant sin has power at the moment. Uh but the Son abideth forever. He said if you if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You see, the Son has delivered us from the servant of sin. And so when we place our trust in Christ alone, uh, he breaks that bondage of that sin in our life. And, and we are now able to be the servants of God. You see, be warned though, Jesus does set people free from the power of sin. But you can put yourself back under its bondage. Uh, turn with me if you would to Galatians chapter 5. You see, Jesus sets us free from the power of sin. No longer does it have to dominate and, and dictate what we do in our lives. Uh, he's given us the freedom where uh, when, when the desire to sin comes, we can say, no, I don't want that. I don't want what, what uh, that has brought in my life before. I, I, I want nothing to do with that. But we can put ourselves back into the bondage of that yoke. Uh, we can put ourselves uh, back into the control of that sin. Uh, Galatians five one says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, God has given us the liberty, the freedom from the power of our sin. But you and I can willfully choose to bring ourselves back into that power. And I will say this, that it's harder sometimes to get out the second time. Most people, they give up on God, and they turn, and, and their lives are a ruin. But no matter who you are this morning, you are a servant to someone or something. You are either the servant of God or the servant of sin. Come with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse number 14. Every person here is a servant to someone this morning. Romans chapter 6, verse number 14. Paul writes here, "...for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace." What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, and so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. You see, now we have a choice who we want to serve. You see, God freed us from the power of sin. But now it's up to us. We must decide who do we want to serve? Do we want to serve the sin and and put ourselves back under that bondage and uh, and, and the iniquity of it? Or do we want to now serve God and serve righteousness? Uh, We now have that choice. We now have um, uh, the chance to choose. You may be sitting here in your seat this morning and you're thinking, I'm struggling with sin in my life and I'm saved. What can I do to break this yoke of bondage that I've brought myself under again? First of all, you need to repent of what you've been doing. Confess it to God alone and ask Him to restore your relationship with Him. Then start building your relationship with Him again. The closer you get with God, the easier it is to not desire sin. The closer you walk with God, the easier it is to avoid sin, to avoid making the wrong choices. Uh, but if your if your relationship with God is is strained, is is um, minimal at best, man, you're gonna have a hard time standing in this world because there's temptation all around us. And, uh, and if you don't have uh, that relationship with God, you're gonna fall for everything. Now, this morning, not only did Jesus save us from the power of sin but He also saved us from the passion to sin. Now what I mean by that is one of the definitions of the word passion means to have a great zeal or desire for something or someone. Not only did Jesus save us from the power of sin, but He also saved us from the passion or the desire to sin. See, when we were lost, we did whatever we wanted to do, and we really didn't care about the consequences. I mean, we, you know, we did what we wanted to do. You know, we, we thought of ourselves and that was it. You know, we didn't care who we hurt. Uh, we didn't care uh, what our actions did. We did what we wanted to do and that was all that mattered. And Most of us really did not care about what God said and had no interest in reading the Bible in praying or attending church. If we did those things, most of us did them out of duty. Or because we had to. Uh I didn't grow up in, in a Christian home, so I didn't I my parents never brought me to church, never uh dragged me to church. Um and so I didn't grow up in a in a Christian home. Uh, but I know there's some people where uh you know they went to church every single Sunday and, and you went to church no matter what. And uh and, and there may be some in here that said, you know what, I went to church, but I man, I, I, I endured it. I, I went because I had to, because mom and dad made me. And um and and it's easy to get into that that mind frame of uh of churches is a, a has to thing, and uh, rather than we get to go to church, we get to worship God. Uh, turn if you would to First Corinthians. Hold your place in Romans six because we're gonna be right back. Um, but turn if you would to First Corinthians chapter two. look at verse number 14. You know, there might be some people who, who went to church and and um, you know and, and and they did enjoy it or they they did certain things but they just never understood it because they weren't saved. They you you never been born again at that point. You never made that decision to put your faith solely in Christ. Cuz verse number 14 says, "But the natural man that's the, the man who we were before salvation. Receive not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto Him. Neither can He know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Uh, when Before you got saved, uh, I remember, man, I, I, I tried reading the Bible, and it went way over my head. I couldn't understand any of it. Um, but after I trusted Christ as my Savior, God began to show me and, and illuminate uh uh, what the scriptures actually meant and and to help me to understand and that's what the Holy Spirit is in you for is to help you to understand God's Word is to draw you closer with God and uh and so um, but most people in this world today they really they really don't care really what God says they they want to live life their own way they don't care what God says they don't care uh what anybody else says what the Bible says they want to live the life that they want to live, and they're not interested in hearing anything about it. But for a Christian, that is supposed to change. That desire should have been removed. That, that desire to have no interest in God, and to learn about God, and to, and to be with God's people. Because that desire was crucified with Christ. Go back to Romans chapter 6, if you would. Verse number one. Verse one says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse two says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Jump down to verse number six. Knowing this, that our old man, that old nature, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, when that he liveth he liveth unto God likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord see our old nature that old man which was which was desires of our flesh before salvation is dead that part of you when you trusted Christ as your savior that old man that old nature was uh, was put on the cross with Christ it's dead this is why we are free from the power and the passion of sin we need to also look at our lives and realize we're dead to the pull of sin i mean you know verse number um seven says for he that is dead is freed from sin you know when that temptation to sin comes you should just look at yourself and you know what i'm dead to that dead things don't respond Dead things don't do things. And so you need to say, you know what, I, I'm not going to do that because in the mindset, I'm that part of me is dead. And to turn away from it. You see, it no longer has dominion. But it still seeks it. That old nature still seeks to have dominion in your life. You need to look at yourself as being alive towards God and not to yourself and what you want. The reason why we sin, the reason why we get back to sin is because uh, we look at it and say, this is what I want. Not whether or not is this what God wants in my life. Would God be happy with this choice that I'm about to decide to make? No, we do it because we want to do it. Uh, you know, People don't fall into sin. They jump into it. Because they've already made that decision to do it. You see, a Christian's desire should change when you get saved. There should be a desire to want to know God, to read His Word, and to learn all that you can about Him and draw as close to Him as possible. If there has been no change in your life, and you're still living only for yourself, you could care less about what God thinks, then you may want to seriously consider if you're even saved. If there's been no change in your life, now I'm not here to be a fruit inspector. You know, I can't see your heart. God knows your heart. But if there's been no change in your life, no change in desire in your life, you still do uh, go out and you sin and you don't care, there's got to be something wrong in your heart then. You're either not saved or you're so backslidden from God that you have no desire of what God even is telling you. We shouldn't have that desire as a Christian. But sadly, Christians today would rather try to be happy in their sin. Than living wholly for their Savior. Keep your place in here, but turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 to the right. Go past Hebrews and James and 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. This morning, I just want to, I want to encourage you. We don't have to be, we don't have to live a life of defeat. Jesus Christ defeated sin once and for all on the cross. And we don't need to live our lives uh, bowing down to sin and living in the bondage that, that that sin brings us under. He has given us liberty. He has given us freedom. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 13. Peter writes here, he says, Wherefore. Gird up the loins of your mind. So basically, strengthen your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance. But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That conversation is, is, is how you speak, Conversations, how you live your life, how you act. Uh, verse 16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your so- sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Verse number 19 is the key verse here. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, the reason why we should desire to be holy, desire to be different from the world and from the filthiness of our former lust is because of what it cost God. That it cost the precious blood of Christ. It wasn't it wasn't an earthly treasure like silver and gold. It was the life and the blood of Christ that bought our salvation. And that is what should encourage us to say, you know what, I don't want to live like the world. I want to live a holy life that God has given me. You see, these Christians who, who desire to, to live like the world is because they enjoy the pleasure of their sin and they will not be told otherwise. And if they are, they'll just instead leave church and find somewhere else that doesn't put any pressure on their lifestyle and the sins that they are willfully committing without remorse. You see, there ought to be something different about you that people notice right away. But most Christians today want to look, they want to act, and they want to talk like the world and just blend in. We don't want to be different. Because if you're different, that brings persecution. That brings uh, maybe mockery. People wondering, why, why are you different? And rather than allowing that difference to give up opportunities and give us opportunities to be a witness and to be a light, we want to instead put a, a shade on that light and, uh, and, and so the world doesn't see that what God has done in our life. Remember that you are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ and that you are bought with that price. When temptation arises, think about what your next decision will bring. Will it please God or will it grieve Him? You see, God did not save us so we can live a life of sin, but to live a life that is holy and pleasing to Him. You see, God saves us so that we can so that we can bring pleasure to Him as well, that we can have that fellowship with Him. Uh, I mean, you know. Uh, Any any father or mother will say uh, they enjoy the time of fellowship with their children. They look forward to it because honestly, the, the time flies by and pretty soon those children, they grow up and they leave the nest. And pretty soon that time of fellowship is rare and very often not there. That's why when, when you have an opportunity, take that time to enjoy the fellowship, enjoy the relationship with your children, enjoy the time spent. And God's the same way. Uh, He wants us to build a relationship with Him, to draw close to Him, to, uh, um, to, to be there with Him. And, uh, again, man, if you're saved, we're gonna be in heaven for a very long time. Don't wait until heaven to start a relationship with God. Start it now. Because it'll only get sweeter once you get to heaven. Lastly, this morning, not only did Jesus save us from the power of sin, but he also saved us from the penalty of sin. See, every person is born under condemnation because of sin. And the consequence of sin is death. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse number 17. John chapter 3, verse number 17. <clears throat> John writes here, For God sent not His Son unto the world to condemn the world. This is Jesus speaking. It said, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So what do you mean by condemned? Condemned means uh, it's a sentence given. Uh, Their judgment is already set. Um, There's only one way to escape that, 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 that sentence, that condemnation, is by trusting Christ as your Savior. You see, the condemnation is not just a physical death. There are two deaths. Physical and spiritual. You see, sin destroys your physical body. And for that, we will all die. Some earlier than others because of their lifestyle and the decisions that they make. The only way we're going to escape death, this physical death, is if the rapture happens first. That's the only way. But there's also a spiritual death that is condemned on every person because of their sin. And that is a lake of fire. Turn with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 20. These are familiar portions of Scripture, but I, I want us to look at them this morning. Because sometimes we, 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 we forget, sometimes we just don't take things very seriously. And this morning, every person who is not saved, every person who is not born again, this is their fate. This is the sentence that they are given and it should bring us grief in our heart for our loved ones, for our friends, for the people that we know, our co-workers, our classmates, that to, to to share the gospel with them so they don't have to experience this fate, this sentence. Verse number eleven says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. See, there's a lot of people who think, well, if I just do good works, if I do good, then that'll earn me a, a, a place in heaven. And uh, But they don't realize that oftentimes, uh, as much as they try to do good works, their bad works are going to way outweigh the good works. Their sin is going to way outnumber uh, what their good works could possibly be. And uh, and so when God opens these, these books and he judges them, he's going to show them every single thing that they did, both good and bad. Uh, but the most important thing is is that he's going to see what decision did they make. Uh, I, I believe, this is just me personally, but I believe that he's going to show them every single opportunity they had to trust Christ. Every opportunity they they, they had to, to turn away from their sin and to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. And when and their decision, no. Not ready yet. Not interested. I'll do it another time. And uh, sadly, sometimes uh, that later time never happens. Most important decision, though, is that verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the end result. And that lake of fire is an eternal punishment far worse than hell is. It's an eternal separation from God. And the thing is, nobody even knows you're there. This is not a a fate that you want to choose for yourself. It's not a fate that you want to happen to your loved ones. Uh, That's why we must be a witness. that's, That's why we must be that light to our family. Uh, as uh, as pat was saying there with our verse this morning you know when 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 god brings salvation we trust him and we get saved uh the the light that we get to be shines to our family and and gives them opportunities to be saved gives them opportunities to to trust christ as their savior so they can uh escape this this sentence that that has been uh given to them cuz the only way to be made free of this condemnation and second death Is to have the second birth and to be born again. That's why Jesus says most importantly, he says, ye must be born again. That's why he says it most emphatically, because that is the most important thing. Turn with me, if you would, back to Romans chapter 6. We're almost winding up here. Romans chapter 6. I just plead with you this morning, if you're not saved, if you're not born again, I don't want that destination to be your destination. We don't have to make that choice of, of going to the great white throne of judgment. But God has given us that opportunity to be saved. That opportunity to, to escape that condemnation and to have eternal life. Look at verse number 20 in Romans chapter 6. It says here, when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. See, when we lived, uh, before we were saved, our old nature was that servant of sin. No matter what you did, you could never do anything that was righteous in God's eyes. Nothing you did was uh, was good. In fact, all of our good deeds that we tried to do, And the things that we thought were righteous, God says, are nothing but filthy rags. Because we were trying to earn our salvation. Whether or not we were thinking that, but in reality, that's what we were trying to do. You see, in fact, all of our good deeds meant nothing before salvation. This is why Scripture says that there is none righteous. No, not one. There's not a single person righteous in this world today. We've all been born a sinner. See, Paul asks us a very good question in verse number 21. It says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. He's asking, what good fruit was brought about in the things that you were ashamed of doing? What good came out of it? What good came out of the sin in your life? Not many things came out good. Anything that you did before you trusted Christ bore no fruit, and it was all in vain. The end was death, and it will be purged by the fire at the judgment seat of Christ for for those who are believers. But now that we are saved, it has enabled you and I to become the servants of God And our service and works will not bring salvation, but fruit unto holiness. Our decision to get saved not only makes us a servant and a child of God, but it gives us everlasting life. Look at verse number 23. and We use it many times in in witnessing to people and trying to help them to understand the, the cost and the price of their sin. Verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Uh, The penalty of sin is death. The consequence of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's showing one opposite with the other. Sin brings death. Jesus Christ brings life eternal. That's the difference. That's what He saves us from. Is the power of sin which brings death. Turn with me if you would to John chapter five, verse twenty two. John chapter five. We got two more scriptures and we'll be done. John chapter five, verse twenty two. Verse number 22 says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which which hath sent Him. See, there's no salvation but by Jesus Christ. There is no other way. That's why Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Uh, Eric said it earlier this, this morning. So there's no other name whereby we we must be saved. It's only went through Jesus Christ. That's it. No one else. No other God. No other person. Nothing else can deliver you from the penalty of sin, which is death, but Jesus Christ. He is the only answer. And I ask you this morning, if you are not saved, don't put, don't put that off. Don't trust in something else because you'll find out with great remorse it was all in vain. Lastly, turn to, if you would, to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. Romans 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Can I ask you this morning, is that your testimony? Is that what you can claim that you know, that, that God has delivered you, has made you free from that law of sin and death where uh, the penalty of death of that lake of fire. That is the only way. I just want to ask you these, just these, a couple of questions this morning. First of all, are you sure that you're saved this morning? Every single person in this room is either saved or lost. God doesn't deal with gray areas. It's either are you saved or are you lost? It's either black or white. He makes it clear. Are you saved or are you lost? Salvation isn't a process that we go through. It's a decision that we make. Each an individual person We can't make it for our children. Our children can't make it for us. It is a decision that you and I have to make ourselves. Either we trust Christ as our Savior or we don't. We're either saved or we're lost. This morning, if you are saved, can I ask you: Are you living in victory over your sin, or has sin brought you back under its power? You see, we're still going to sin. We still have this flesh. We still have this this old nature that we that we struggle with that we're gonna we're gonna battle with. But we don't have to live in defeat. We don't have to to give in to the old nature, and uh, we can now. Uh, give in to the new nature that God has given us through the Holy Spirit. See, we're still going to sin, but a Christian should desire to sin less than they did before they were saved. I mean, our desire should be what? Well, I don't want to sin. I know it's gonna it's gonna come. I know there's gonna times I'm gonna be a failure. I'm gonna disappoint. I I'm not gonna uh, I'm gonna make the wrong choices. But I don't need to live in the defeat of that sin. But instead, remember that God has given me the victory. He has given me, uh, I'm no longer underneath that power of sin. That when the, the temptation comes the next time, I can say, no, I'm not going that way. So I'm going to trust, trust Christ to give me a way out of that temptation because that's what He has promised. If you are saved this morning, God has freed you from the desire to sin. Instead, he has given you a new desire to live and to serve him. Can I ask you this morning, are you doing that today? Or have you given in to your old nature and you're trying to embrace the two? Uh, God says you can't serve two masters. Because you'll either despise one or you know you'll you'll embrace one and you'll despise and reject the other. You can't walk the fence in the Christian life. You may be able to try to walk it for a little bit of time, but sooner or later you're going to fall. And you're going to fall in the wrong direction. Don't try to live two lives. If you're a Christian this morning, live like a Christian. Don't try to live like the world. And lastly this morning, if you're saved, you have been saved from the penalty of sin. You are no longer under condemnation, so live it. Live in that victory. Live in that, that, that joy that, uh, you know what, I don't have to worry about where my eternity is going to be. I don't have to worry about the lake of fire. I can now focus on, on praising God and thanking Him and, and trying to reach others uh, and tell them about how, uh, what God has done for you, how He has saved you and what He has saved you from. And to tell others how so they, they don't have to go to Lake of Fire. That should be that should be a, an encouragement to us to see, you know what, I'm not going there. But it should also be a burden to us to reach and to tell others as well. That's why that's why missions is so important. That's why soul winning is so important. That's why just just giving your testimony and, and allowing your light to shine is so important. Uh you know, God has put you in different places where other of us can't go. You know, um, we can't go to your workplace and be the light there. We can't go to your school and be the light there. We can't necessarily sometimes go to your family. But you have to be that light. God put you in that position for a reason. So be that light. Don't put that shade and... And block out that light and try to be like the world. God has freed you from the penalty and the power and the passion. So live like that and live in victory. Don't live in defeat. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. and We'll have our hymn. Father, I do thank You this morning. Lord, as we're looking at the simplicity of salvation, Lord, we need to understand what it was that we got saved from. Why do we even get saved? What's the purpose of it? Lord, I pray this morning that just a reminder of just exactly what Jesus did for us. What was so special about that cross. Why He paid the debt for our sin. It was to remove the power. It was to remove the passion. It was to remove the penalty of our sin father I do pray this morning if there is someone here and they don't know if they're saved they don't know if, um, you know if they've ever made that decision to, to be born again maybe they've they put it off and say you know what I'll, I'll do it later Lord I, I pray that they do not leave this morning with that in doubt I pray that they'll come to myself or to Dan or uh, you know ladies would come or just that they would just know that where their their eternity lies. Because Lord, I know as soon as we leave this church, life comes out and we forget about what we were thinking about. And uh, Lord, I just pray that if there's someone here who just does not know, maybe they're just not sure, God, that um, they would have the courage to come up after the service and that they would speak to us. And show them from Your Word how they can know and trust Christ as their Savior, and without a doubt know that they have salvation. Lord, you made it so easy, and I do thank you for that, Lord, that you didn't make it so complicated. And Lord, I pray that you would also encourage us, Lord, to, to live in victory, to live in the freedom and the liberty that you've given us for life. We no longer have to live in bondage. We no longer have to live in, in fear. We no longer have to, uh, to live in, in hopelessness. But, God, you have set us free. And help us to live in that victory. To live in that, uh, just that newness of life, Lord, that, that you've given us. And, uh, Lord, just help us also to be a witness. To be a light in, our, in the people that we're around. God, that might be the only time that they ever see the light is through us. And I pray that you give us courage. Give us, um, Lord, just give us discernment as we talk with people, give us wisdom. And uh, Lord, that you would just uh, help us to be a testimony. Father, I do thank you so much again for for this church and and Lord, just for uh, your grace. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.